This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jarrett Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're wandering around the streets of Salt Lake City, wondering if we're alive or dead while watching spine number 63 in the Criterion Collection, Herc Harvey's Carnival of Souls from 1962. But first, RJ. Hello. Oh, oh, hi. How are you? Oh, I'm okay, man. Good. I, uh... How are tricks? Tricks? Tricks ain't shit, man. Um, wait, no, that's not how that line goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay, dude. I, um, I think this is gonna be an interesting episode. I just ate a bunch of, uh, tacos? Like, turkey tacos that Andrew makes. She makes, like, this ground turkey, and she seasons it with taco meat. And I put a lot of hot sauce on them. Mm-hmm. And then I just threw up a bunch just now. Oh, like a bunch. So now my I feel kind of lightheaded and I feel a little weird. So I don't <laughs> I don't know how this is going to play out in the episode, but maybe it'll be maybe it'll be better. Maybe you'll uh, it puts you into more of a uh, Mary Henry kind of mindset. Are you alive or dead? You nobody could tell. I am I can I know I don't have a pulse. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure a kidney came out when I was puking, but uh <sighs> I'm not sure. So this is a this is a new one for us, hmm. a a food related well being incident post food poisoning. Yeah, I don't think it was poison. I I just I I think it was I put a lot of hot sauce on them, and I think it was just too much hot sauce. It's like if if you drank a can of hot sauce, you'd probably get sick, right? Why, why did you eat that much hot sauce? Because I George likes his chicken spicy. Okay, I I wanted it. I wanted it hot. And I like the flavoring, all right? Oh, man. All right, dude? And now I'm weird and sick and I'm lightheaded and I can't even think right. So this might be one of our best episodes. <laughs> well, but we'll see. We'll put it to the we'll, test here. We'll put it to the mm. test. How yeah. are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm uh, really enjoying this nice, cool weather that we're experiencing right now. Uh, breaking the, mm-hmm. like, whatever it was, like, just days on end of, like, plus 30 temperatures. that Celsius, mm-hmm. folks. And, um, yeah, so, like, today was, like, you know, nice. It was, like, 18, 22 or something like that. It's like, good. Uh, a nice mm-hmm. nice break. And uh, here we are in August. I can't believe it's already August. July blasted on by, um, as I kind Ew. of feared it would. But, uh, yeah, one month for me, RJ, until I go back to the real world and have a full-time job. Is that, uh, what kind of job is that? Underwear uh, model? Yeah, that's, that's a side gig only. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not your actual o- occupation though. Yeah. Just, uh, okay. showing off the semi-chub. Ugh. I thought you were just a from the back model. <laughs> I do the whole thing whole thing uh well i know a guy who wears uh um briefs yeah so yeah so i i feel you (laughs) yeah i met a guy once and uh he was wearing briefs and i was like i can't believe you wear briefs yeah and he said why not i said i don't know (laughs) that's uh (laughs) it's kind of like uh uh life of brian and being old man humor it's like that's old man underwear Old man underwear? Yeah, but my old man humor is better than other people's old man's humor. Because mm-hmm. underwear is funny. And butts are funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't feel bad for you. Okay. As I've said many times, I think you're a bad person. So Fine. 
Uh-huh. Uh, so RJ, I've I've noticed a theme in your creeping this week, but uh-huh. uh, but I'll ask. Hey RJ, what you been creeping on? Well, Jer, let me tell you, I didn't have a ton of time this week, so I knew I couldn't really fit in a whole movie. So instead, I was breaking my days up just watching these shorts. You ever heard of this Neil Blomkamp guy? Uh, I'm familiar with his work, but perhaps tell me a little bit about him. Famed director of District 9, mm. a good movie, and then Elysium and Chappie, which people say are bad movies. I know, but, you know, see, I've never seen either of those movies. Uh, I've seen Elysium. It was okay. Uh, it, much like these shorts, he does some things really well. Like, I think he does Dirty Humans really well, mm-hmm. which has which is a lot. And all three of like in all those, I haven't seen Chappie, but I've seen the preview. There's some dirty humans in that one too, like South out South South African dirt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like the Diane word guys, because they were in one of his movies. Yeah. So um, Elysium's okay. It's got some cool stuff, but there's also some a lot of dumb stuff that's just like uh whatever. Uh, but I think District Nine is actually really good. So yeah, I... he was he was one out of two for me. Yeah. And then I remember there was all that stuff with Alien, how he was going to make a new Alien movie. And then Ridley Scott was like, no, I'm just going to make Aliens forever now. And then he was like, okay, I guess I won't do it then. And they just totally pulled his the plug on him. Yep. So he started, after that happened, he started this <clears throat> company called Oats Studios, like Oatmeal Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the he did a batch of short films, like five or six. And he funded all of them. So he paid to make all these and he directed all of them too. And so I I didn't have a ton of time this week. And some of them are like two, three minutes long. And some of them are actually like 20 minutes long. So I watched almost all of those, I think. Uh, So I have an opinion now. What do you want to hear about first? Because I'm going to burn through these. Do you want it from best to worst or worst to best? Uh, Order you watch them in, I guess. Order I watch them in? Okay. So the first one I watched was called Zygote. And this was the one, the most recent one I, I had heard of. This is where I actually heard of it. A friend of the show, um, Ryan Nagel, he was telling me about these, about these shorts. He was like, have you seen any of these? The Zygote sounds pretty cool. And I was like, I haven't, but I will check them out. So this was like, I think one of the newest ones. It's got Dakota Fanning in it because I no one's seen her in many years, but I guess she's still around. Uh, so it's like a, it's kind of like alien, but after the alien has killed everyone and there's mm. like one person left. Okay. So it's like a government facility and there's two people there and then the monster is on the loose and they're just trying to like avoid the monster. So what, like the thing I like about this, the monster looks fucking dope. It looks like Jonji Ito. Like, uh, you're, like the, it's the hands, right? Yeah, it's all well. It's all like limbs and stuff like yeah. that. It's like a the hands, the arms, and stuff. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, that. I saw a still of something, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if that's the thing that everyone, everyone's watching right now." Yeah, so it's kind of like um, what it reminded me of was uh, the Ghoul School creep, uh, the birthday featuring your buddy uh, okay. Corey Feldman. Yeah, like you know how at the end, like bodies kind of mass together, but you mm-hmm. don't really see it. I feel like this is like a possible a possible way that would have turned out. So it makes a body, but the body is made up of all of hands and feet and arms. And then at the top is like a skull that has, I don't know, 30 eyeballs on it or something like that. Okay. So it looks kind of cool. It looks like a a Japanese horror, like a horror manga type of monster. 
so that looks cool but the rest of it isn't very good um mm-hmm. the biggest thing is you can't fucking hear anything that they say and this can't just be me because i was watching it and i was like what like the the actual dialogue you listen and you're like what did he say and so you turn your volume way up and then there's like a siren like and you're like oh god so you turn it back down and then Dakota Fanning's like, and you're just like, what? What did they say? And this was actually a common problem in a lot of these. It's you literally can't hear the fucking people talk. So I was just like, well, that's kind of lame. I can't fucking understand these people. And I'm sure other people are going to be like, oh, whatever, get over it. But it was a real thing for me because I was just like, I can't fucking understand them. And I feel like that's a really slot like. A really easy thing that they could have fixed but for some reason they didn't uh and then there's like i don't know it's really long it's like 24 minutes and it doesn't it shouldn't be this could be like six minutes and it would probably be really cool you just show the monster a little bit and the people running but it's it's really long and it, other than the monster itself it, there's not much to it so that was what i started with that's my hot take on zygote okay I wish I could hear what they were saying. Um, so next I watched one called God Serengeti. And this was with Neil Blomkamp's man, Chartel Copley. Yep. And it's like a Bradbury-esque sci-fi. These are all like sci-fi stories. Right. Uh, this one's like God is an old British man. And he just has a tabletop of the like the planes, the Serengeti with like cavemen. And he's just watching them evolve, basically. And he's just like, oh, jolly good. Oh, look at this chap. He created fire. Ooh. That's it. Hmm. It's okay. It's yeah. all right. Like, it's better than Zygo. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's only three minutes, too. So that's nice. But, um, I mean, there's not, there's nothing to it. That's it. That's all it was. <laughs> I have nothing to say about it. Uh, so then I watched what I think is the best one of these. And it's not just because it has aliens in it. Mm-hmm. But it is pretty well just because it has aliens in it. I watched one called Raka. R-A-K-K-A. And this one is about... It's basically like if District 9 turned out that the aliens won. And then all the humans were just enslaved. That's it. Uh, this one was actually pretty good. It's like 20 minutes long. Uh, it has really good effects. These all do actually... They all have really good effects, and that's where all the money is going. And you can tell because in this one, it's got kind of a really bad story, and they all have not the best acting. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is in this one, which is pretty weird. Uh, The aliens are cool. They're like gecko lizard things, but they also have like the venom black oil going around them, and it like does stuff. So I liked that. Uh I thought the aliens were cool. And this one has a lot of really dirty people in it. Like what I think he does best. Um, and really nice visuals. He films stuff nice. But it's got really dumb shit too. Like uh, <laughs> like the plot is really dumb. You're just like, all right, whatever. And then uh, because it's, it's basically what you would expect. And it shows in like the dialogue where like there's an army guy like turning his gun on other army guys. And this is a direct quote. Damn it, Sanchez, don't make us do this. And then Sigourney Weaver looks to this guy and she goes, fuck. And as they shoot the army man down, and that's like four minutes of this, and you're just like, come on. (laughs) 
come on. And then uh, you get the um, the untold origin story of The Undertaker, uh, a guy who loves the New World because he gets to burn whatever he wants. No jail, as he says. Mm-hmm. And then another man looks at him and says, damn it, man, why do you love to burn? Because this guy sets fires everywhere. And it's just like, come on. But mm. after he says that, it cuts to a scene and this guy's wearing an Undertaker hat and he's got the hair and like the goatee yeah. in front of a fire with like Undertaker's jacket on and stuff like that. So it's the Undertaker, right? Okay. Like, I'm not crazy, am I? I don't know. Are you? Okay, well, whatever. Um, this one's not bad. If you were going to watch any of these, I would just watch this one. Mm. That's it. Just this one. Um, because the aliens are cool. And then so today, just before this, I burnt out two other ones real fast, Uh, one called Firebase. uh, And this one's embarrassing. It's like it takes place in Vietnam when Vietnam happened. And uh, it's like army men and they're like, oh, war is hell. Hell is fire. And then there's this unbeatable sci fi creature that is just like a human skeletal system, but with. Like the like the veins and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it, it's like walking around and it's like moving people up in the air and exploding them, and you're like, okay, and then and then you get some really cherry lines like it's a force of nature, it might not even know what it's really doing, and then instantly it cuts, and then it came to us for help, and it's like in a military base getting text tested on, and you're just like, what? Like, I thought you just said it was a force of nature. Like, it couldn't do anything. And just a spoiler, like, it was a guy who was, as they called Viet, not Viet Cong, but a villager. And because of the sorrow and pain, his body and soul separated or something like that. And he reached a different plane of existence. As you do. Uh, as you do. This one's embarrassing. Um, because I think <laughs> if it if it didn't have, like, the uh, the special effects that he clearly put a lot of money into... You would just it would be like what you would see at a community college open film night, I think. Okay. So this one's bad. I would avoid this one. And then I watched uh, possibly the worst one of all. Uh, This one called Cooking with Bill. This one is real bad. Hey, Jared, do you like Tim and Eric? Yeah. Do you ever wish that you could see people try to do Tim Tim and Eric, but Mm. not good? No. This one's about a guy who has a cooking show segment and then all of his devices at the end of the segment turn out to be really violent and gross. Mm. And that's the gag. That's the gag. There's only one on Letterboxd, but when I was watching it, like two more played right after. And there was one. He was like, here's my sushi machine. And it makes sushi. And then there was one big hair through all the sushi. And then he eats it and he's gross and he pukes. And then the other one, he has a an electric knife, but it's a chainsaw with like nine knives on it. And then he cuts his hand off at the end. And that's the gag. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke. This one's really bad, too. So uh, so that was my trip. That's all I watched this week because I didn't really have much time. I watched all of these short films. And one of them is good. I would watch Ra- uh, Raka, the alien one. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. You could look up the monster from Zygote, and that would be enough. There you go. But I wouldn't watch any of the other ones. They're, I didn't like them. I think it's all it's all flash, no substance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah. Thanks for wasting our time talking about all these shitty short films. <laughs> hey, I watched it, so now you don't have to. There you go. How about said, that? That's right. You said to listen to us talk about them. Yeah. Well, now you know that they're bad, and mm-hmm. you don't. You won't waste twenty mm-hmm. fucking minutes on a, a, a Vietnam short film about an artery monster that can that was sad and now controls time. So that sounds there awesome. you go, Jeremy. That sounds amazing. It's not. It's bad. And you would watch it and you would think it was bad too. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, sure. that, so that's the thing. They all look good. Yeah. They all have awesome effects, but that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. How's that? Uh, that's it. How's that, uh, that, that book I got you working out? Oh, it's, uh, I haven't had a ton of time, but uh, I'm going to try to get it done. Okay. You want me to talk about it now? Oh, you can talk about it when you're finished it. Okay. 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 I'll talk about it when we finish it. Uh, did you and did you did you watch the, the peaks? Oh, I did watch the peaks. So that was a real creep for me. I even took a couple notes. Oh, well, you can do just do your notes. Uh, my notes are incoherent, but I'm gonna read them anyways. Yeah, they're well, they have vomit uh, all over them. No, I I kept my book away. Okay. I put uh, jerky, turkey jerky. That's oh, yeah. cool. Uh, and then I wrote. In quotes, keep your blood to yourself, which yeah. I thought was really funny. Yeah. When uh, Harry, Harry Dean, Dean. tells that guy, keep yeah. your blood to yourself. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, David Lynch's Trey Chic <laughs> sequence with the French girl was really funny. Yeah. And uh, then at the end, I thought it was great because there was Heineken. Yes. And it made me think Blue Velvet. That's right. Because I, I, I thought David Lynch did not like Heineken. What are you, what are you doing over there? I was moving my mic. Why yeah. did it pick up? Oh yeah. Well, it fell over for a second, so I had to fix it. <laughs> Why did it do that? I don't know, man. Gravity. Gravity. Yeah, you can't blame gravity yeah. for everything. Yeah. So though, yeah, I can. Yeah. So why yeah, did I get old? The gravity. I don't know. So 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 yeah, Twin Peaks. Uh, Twin Peaks was good. Uh, it's interesting because this episode definitely, I think, uh, annoyed people. <laughs> Like just Why, like cause it was slow? yeah, because there's like these like dialogue scenes that di- they they weren't in a rush to go anywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, they just lots of shots of just people looking at one another without things being said, uh, trying the patience of the casual viewer even more so. I mean, like we're at twelve episodes at this point, people mm-hmm. should be probably pretty used to it. Um, someone pointed out that like when they, I think part of the problem is that people want to get to the stuff they want to see faster. And David, yeah. Mr. Mister Lynch, Dave, he's uh, teasing those things out. And, yeah. then we're, and we're getting these conversations amongst people we don't know, or at least or there are people are having conversations about people we don't know. And I think some people are kind of like, what is this? And they're just, they're lost and frustrated. They don't know what to do with themselves. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, that's pretty well my excuse. I guess until I stop enjoying it, uh, I I have no issue with it yeah it didn't bother me at all like like you said that's just kind of how he does things well i mean like yeah like as soon as they were at the scene with uh dave hanging out with his uh french bombshell lady and like mm-hmm. her like g- 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 leaving the whole process of that i knew that was coming yeah like and you knew it was going on and just david's face <laughs> and just yeah 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 it's it's e- it's yeah it's Sorry. very it's very good <laughs> e- even like after when he's talking to miguel ferrera mm-hmm. and he's just like he's like albert 
And then it just the camera literally for like two minutes it just goes back and forth between them and they're not even saying anything. Mm-hmm. Albert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I thought that was all wicked. Mm-hmm. You even get uh, a very short, brief Dougie scene. Yes, the be- the best scene of catch you will ever see. And of course, it's funny because uh, like when the episodes end, it always starts off starring Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, <laughs> and he was in that episode yeah. for probably about ten seconds. Yeah, but it was it was a good ten seconds. Yeah. So yeah, this was kind of a slow episode, but you got a a classic line from Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's ready to rock and roll. People mm-hmm. might know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then uh, you should be happy because you had the return of two original cast members. Two. So, yeah. Who wasn't? Wasn't well, Audrey was. Who are you? Who are well, you Aud- what about? Uh, wasn't the old beef jerky lady? Isn't Sa- that Sarah, Laura Palmer? The, the, Sarah Palmer. Yeah, but she was already. She yeah. already showed up once. When? For uh, like first episodes. She, it was just her really? watching. Yeah, she was just watching uh, like nature videos and drinking oh, okay. by herself. It was very brief. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. But this was like the first real scene that we saw with sad, with sad, destroyed Sarah Palmer. Man, like, when I, like mm-hmm. she's like kind of like one of the um, unrecognized characters of this of the sheer series for the most part. Because like her like mm-hmm. grief and like destruction, like at, like all the horrible things that happened to her, as far as like in the house and like her guilt and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like so good. Um, it was like immediately when she shows up and like, like you see women like her in real life that like, oh, yeah. I don't know, like she, uh, she's going to that place and playing like that rambling mm-hmm. person where you're really uncomfortable and you have like young kids trying to like chat with her and she's just like off staring at beef jerky. Beef jerky. Yeah. It, what is turkey jerky? It's like beef jerky. It's the same as beef jerky, but it's turkey. See, I like that. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've done that at stores lots of times. <laughs> the fuck is this? Vegan potatoes. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> I don't know. I but don't know. The, yeah, it was a good episode. Uh, it had some funny lunch things. Like I, I do. I did think the scene with the French lady was pretty funny. It's uh, yeah, you knew it was coming and uh, mm-hmm. that's what it was going to be. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, and then your your girl Audrey came back. She so did. That's, that's neat. Yeah, and like yeah, it's all the all the things that we loved about Audrey. It's all gone mm-hmm. now. Her yep. per- precociousness, her inquisitiveness, her joy of life, and like excitement. Yep. It's all just gone. <laughs> like like well, it is in all yeah. of us. I think uh, I think your theory is becoming more and more uh, real that uh, evil Coop, Mister C, may have had it gotten in there and that's the the spawn of evil oh yeah yeah he's like the uh the antichrist oh yeah Mm. i think you're right because Mm. even ben horn was like you know he never had a dad Mm -hmm. oh yeah i I think at this point it's like like they've they've laid it on thick enough thick enough it's like yeah no that's what happened and it's like oh that's dark and horrible Mm -hmm. and here we are yep but at least audrey met a nice man the guy from fringe yes that guy. That guy. He's tired. I just can't leave. He's oh, it's, it's, it's kind of cold out there. <laughs> That's me every night. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, uh, I don't know. I just arm, don't want to leave your, the house. Your little arms. Yeah, I got, well, I think they're regular size. I mean, they're not Billy Corgan length, but they're regular <laughs> size. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? 
No. That rumor, that old wives' tale in the '90s. <laughs> so there's a so Billy Corgan is the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know, I assume you do if you listen to this. He, there was a music video for uh, Ava Adore, and in the video, it looks like his arms, like his hands, go past his knees. So there was this rumor going around that he had like gorilla-sized arms, like they were longer than his legs. You fucking Google a picture of Billy Corgan, and you can't. You don't tell me that he looks like he's got gorilla arms. He's got reach. He's got reach, man. He could have been in the NBA, but instead he decided to uh, NBA our hearts. <laughs> so, hey, what did you watch this week? Well, RJ, I watched cartoons. Good ones or, uh, uh... or what? watched some good ones and I watched some just okay episodes uh what did I watch what did I watch well first of all uh I was kind of like bored listless what am I going to watch I gotta watch something god uh, I'll look at this gigantic pile of shit that I've got 500 <laughs> plus movies I have that I've never watched before and it's like what eeny meeny miny mo hey Jinro the Wolf Brigade so Ooh. Jinro the Wolf Brigade has an awesome cover it's got this like gas masked SWAT looking dude with a giant rifle. This looks like mm-hmm. what, what is this post apocalyptic like totalitarian techno universe stuff? This 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 is going to be amazing. And I, mm-hmm. I remember it from like the video stores and being like, yeah, I, I absolutely need to watch this one day. And I bought this blind like some years ago because it was like dirt cheap. Yeah, and uh, finally got around to watching it, and it was very uh, well animated. It looks great, uh, mm-hmm. but it's boring. It's so boring. I was gonna say, what is this about? I've never even heard of this. Ah, oh, goddamn! So it's kind of like a alternate universe kind of story where after uh, Japan lost the war and uh, they started rebuilding there a trajectory occurs where like uh, Japan to like control crime created these like 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 almost like not militias but like military police uh, response okay. to like crime which I mean that was like a, that, up to that point things are realistic but then you started having this like this government uh, group like and it's like the wolf brigade or whatever they're there to like quash protesters and uh, you know, just control the population, but there's like multiple factions of these like groups that pop up. They're all like like police, but they're mm-hmm. they're they're fighting amongst themselves. And one of the particular stories that this movie focuses on is one of these uh, Wolf Brigade guys. He watches a girl like suicide bomb herself rather than be arrested, and he's like guilt ridden by this. And then he winds up hanging out with her sister, and like there's a lot of talking. Lots of lots of scenes, which always drives me nuts when I'm watching cartoons, which like you can visualize anything any way you want. It's just a matter of making it work. And this just like is a drama, uh, and like not a particularly like interesting story. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like people talking and it's drawing and it's like, oh my god, this is so it, it didn't draw me in at all. I don't know, maybe I just wasn't in the mood for this type of thing. Um, there's like these couple yeah. of moments where guys get lit up and they just get blown away and there's blood and that's wonderful as anime does uh, blood and guts really well mm-hmm. but for the most part this is like I would not recommend people watch this uh, it's kind of a disappointment would do you think it would be like if anyone animated these podcast episodes pretty much but there'd like, be a lot but, but, of blood but it'd be boring and well, disappointing you'd just be us talking unless they decided to get fanciful with it 
and having well, you, why like, wouldn't they? Well, exactly. But maybe they're the people who did Jinro. <laughs> well, what is? Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, well, what else did you watch? Well, uh, then I was like, well, I'm going to watch something else now that I've also had for like a couple of years sitting around at my house. And I watched the Cartoon Network miniseries Over the Garden Wall. So this is mm. a uh, like and it's like about two hours long. It's 10, 10 minute episodes that aired on Cartoon Network back in 2014. And the way I found out about this was uh, something you know, you've used Letterboxd. You can click on the year uh, a movie comes out and it brings up every single movie that came out that particular year. And then you can organize it based on like alphabetized, uh, most popular, uh, highest rated, that sort of thing. And I remember clicking highest rated for 2014 and I was really surprised to see this cartoon I'd never heard of in my life pop up. And I was like, well, okay. And I found mm-hmm. it was like, you buy, it was like, again, cheap to buy. It was on DVD, 15 bucks. So I bought it. Uh, Chanel watched it ages ago and she said it was really good. And I just didn't get around to watching it. Cause sometimes you gotta be in the right mood to watch cartoons. Absolutely. And, yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, I watched it over the garden wall and it is a story about uh, a high school kid who's voiced by Elijah Wood and his mm-hmm. younger brother. And they are lost in what's called the unknown. It's just like this like endless sort of fantasy forest kind of thing. And it's just them having kind of adventures. It, it'll, it's only 10 episodes long. It builds to, uh, it has like a beginning, middle, end. So it's done. There's no more. It's not like Adventure Time, which just will continue to go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, the Part of the uh, appeal of this is it's like, all like it looks like traditional animation uh it makes all its backgrounds look like matte paintings and uh it like it looks great uh it's packed filled with like uh animation references to the past uh but it doesn't ever feel like really like tr- uh, like it's wants you to be aware of those references it's just using them fairly effortlessly the type of music that it uses is like very atypical of like most animated stuff that you would watch, especially North American stuff. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the director uh, or the creator of it, Patrick McHale. Uh, like he obviously like really is in love with animation and he decided to make this like mm-hmm. really nice, like pastoral story uh, of like angst and existentialism, which are all there, but it's also like a funny, cute, like cartoon with like uh, g- things called like the garden cat. And it's like the, the greatest sad <laughs> sniffly cat you've ever seen. And like, uh, vegetable people like Johnny Crops singing his uh, songs about being a vegetable man, and his and driving his vegetable car. Uh, bluebirds, witches, and uh, like weird pumpkin people. <laughs> it, it's like it's really good. Um, I don't think I love it as much as some people do, which is fine because I thought it was really good, and some people like it yeah. a lot. Uh, and yeah, I think way more people should know about this, but it seems like outside of like the letterbox community where it's like mm-hmm. really highly regarded, I don't know where people even talk about this or what, what the situation is or what the guy's doing with this now. I think there's like a comic book, like series that's come out of it and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the comic book would be about. Cause it seems like the, uh, cartoon answers all questions for the most part, or like tells all the, the story that there is. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was uh, really good, and people should watch it. Uh, yeah. And then I spent uh, seven and a half hours the last couple of days watching the Mobile Suit Gundam trilogy. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask? You? No, I can't ask. That. I'll ask you off air. What? Uh, no. <laughs> 
Nope, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to trick me this time, Duncan. <laughs> but uh, I assume that if you watch this, you were in a, a certain state of mind. And I, I'm not implying drugs. I know that's that's what that implied just there. But uh, uh, there's something's going on. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Why did you watch this? Um. So the practical thing is so at the comic book store, that I work at during uh-huh. the summer, uh, we got this massive, massive restock in order of Gundam models. Uh, mm-hmm. For for people who don't know, uh, Gundam or Gunpla, as uh, the, the hobbyists call it, uh, they're just like mecha uh, giant robots. Uh, they basically all look like just like super futuristic samurais. Um, that's basically all it is. Uh, and these like, and it's, these things have sold so well. We have like so many people, like they don't buy anything else that a comic book store uh-huh. carries, but they buy these models. And apparently when this cartoon mobile suit Gundam first aired in the late seventies, no one gave a crap and it was canceled. But mm-hmm. then they started making toys out of this stuff because Robotech was popular. Uh, Transformers became popular and they went, Oh, we'll make Gundams too. And Gundams sold really well. And then they went back. Uh, and the guy who created the mobile suit Gundam, he like re-edited all 47 episodes of the TV show into three movies that are like two hours and 20 minutes each. Okay. So he just chops out all the extraneous TV showy kind of filler stuff. And it's just, Uh it's just the plot. It's all plot and edited up to make it. So it's like uh, streamlined. It's kind of like, I don't know if you remember uh, us talking about uh, Batman versus Superman back in the day and how I think I saw someone describe Mm -hmm. how that feels like when you're watching it, like it's an OAV, like it's like a, like a 40 episode, uh, like DC TV show, but it's like, well, oh, they, they, yeah. they took out all the extraneous information and just made this essential thing. And I, I always yeah. felt that's how BVS kind of plays. And I, I, it turns out I was watching Mobile Suit Gun. And I'm like, yeah, this is kind of exactly how these things work. Like, there's no nothing filler. Mm. It's just this is the story. Boom, 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 boom. So sometimes there's like awkward edits, trying to like compress timelines. And it just seems like it's nonstop action because they, they have to keep it short enough, even that's a two and a half hours almost per part. Mm. Um, but, uh, so it really, it was just always like, I knew, I knew nothing about Gundam. Um, uh-huh. so I realized it was easy enough to like find these just online and like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> Why not? And if it sucks, I'll, I'll just quit. I'll, I only have to watch one of them and know if it's for me or not, but I enjoyed them. I actually like these quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, part of me was like, I'm I'm a Neon Genesis Evangelion guy. I, that stuff yeah. is like that is top shelf anime. Uh, it doesn't really mm-hmm. get better than that. So when I wa- went into Gundam, I was kind of like, yeah, this is probably not going to be all that great. I remember years ago trying to watch Robotech and finding it just like, it's just like a '80s kids mm-hmm. cartoon. It's like not very sophisticated, and it's just the same thing over and over and over again. Um, Gundam might have fallen into that trap, but fortunately for me, it, it's now been edited down to the essential stuff. And uh, yeah, it's like, it has far more like, what's, what do you call it? The uh, meditation on war and its impact than you would expect mm-hmm. from like a kid's cartoon. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's just, well, I mean, like I think imagine like in a lot of like Japanese uh, literature, like in like, especially like in anime and stuff like that too, there's a lot of meditation of war stuff just because of world war two and the bomb and stuff like that. It comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like all the like kind of plot beats of like 
uh, manga and anime are here. You have the the young boy who just like is a savant at flying his father's like super mech suit. <laughs> he just it's like oh <laughs> yeah he he's just like really good at it. What a thing! Oh, he also turns out to be a new type, which is like a the next step in human evolution. <laughs> so they have like uh, incredible intuition skills. And of course, his arch nemesis on the other side of this great war also has these great skills, but he's just a little bit older, and they become rivals. Uh, and of course, it just—it's all the things that you expect. Um, I, I know why you like this now because this is a lot like our our rise to power. Yeah, where we're like rivals, but I'm a little bit younger, a little mm-hmm. bit more sexual. <laughs> sensual. Said. Sensual. I'm a master in the sensual arts, where you mm-hmm. are a master in the underpants arts yeah. and you're flying around in your balog auction uh mech suit in my mech suit it's a giant bull uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. okay well that's cool yeah I, I can get down on that well anyways this does sound not bad it's yeah i'd say that like, i'm just i was surprised that you <laughs> I, part of the, the, one of the other reasons i got sucked in is i saw those posters on Letterboxd, uh-huh. and I was like, those are so nice. Fuck, mm-hmm. look at those those beautiful atmospheric painted covers. Those are so good. I got to check this out. And, like, for late 70s animation, it doesn't look too bad. Right. Um. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, if you're, like, an anime person, you like, you're, like, mm-hmm. cartoons, I'd say Gundam's probably worth taking a look at. Um, like I said, and the, there's, like, you'd watch all 47 episodes of this, or you could just watch these seven-and-a-half-hour trilogy thing, and you'd be just as covered, I think. I, I One Ooh. of my uh, buddies from the store, Sean, he's a big Gundam guy. Like, he's been into this stuff, like, for his whole life. And I was asking right. him, like, should I keep going? Should I watch, like... Because there's, like, a lot of Gundam shows. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a lot of Gundam shows. I think there's, like, 20 like series and stuff like that. Jesus. Yeah. But like, it's not all connected. It jumps around a lot. Uh, there's like the one that sounds pretty neat. It's like a medical, uh, team. And it's like their yeah. perspective of a story of during this big war. And it's like 12 episodes. It sounds like it's basically the mash of the Gundam universe. So it's like low key character driven stories. The animation is much nicer because it's from the nineties. So I think I might, right. I might, cause there's like a bunch of filler stuff, but it's like another, like each of these series is like 47 episodes. And I'm like, I just don't think I've got the time or the interest to like really make my way through two more mm-hmm. series to get to the next movie and stuff like that. I don't think I necessarily need to explore it that deeply but yeah. I've, I've liked it it's good well it sounds better than i thought it would so yeah all right uh and then i watched a documentary <laughs> that i, I try Uh-oh. to get, I, I try to get you on board on but uh oh yeah yeah I, I said hey rj this is your homework and you just like fuck no in that revealed you to be not a true fan of this man i never said i was a fan of this you, guy you love that spawn <laughs> movie so much well, yeah, but Spawn rules. Yeah, so you're not a fan of Tom McFarlane. You're a fake fan. Uh, no, okay, I'll put it like this. I like Spawn, and I like when he drew Spider-Man, and his toys are pretty cool. But I don't, I didn't really want to watch a two-hour documentary. Hour when, and fifteen minutes. Well, okay, okay, okay. So I had to prioritize this week, and I got like seven shorts done in the same time I could have watched that. So and they, and most of them are bad. Most of them are bad. So I guess maybe uh, maybe you were right. This is the only time I'll tell you that. Maybe you were right. <laughs> okay. So RJ, I watched yeah. The Devil You Know <gasps> inside the mind of Todd McFarlane from 2001 
directed by some guy. And this was produced by the National Film Board of Canada. Uh, what? Why? Uh, because he's like... he's he, Canadian? He's a Canadian, yeah. I mean, he's from Calgary. Jeez, all right. Yeah, so... Uh, Is that all it takes? Yeah, yeah. And he was like... I mean, he made millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. I guess that's true, yeah. yeah he was a success. Like, he was... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Tom McFarland, for people who don't know about comics, listening to a Criterion Collection podcast, uh-huh. um, Tom McFarland was kind of a hot shit cartoonist, comics artist back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, mm-hmm. He drew a little bit of Batman, some comics you've never heard of, like Infinity Inc. Uh, and then he drew that Spider-Man, as you just mentioned. And Spider-Man. Drew, drew that Spider-Man quite iconically for some. Um huh? Even though, boy, when you see some of those panels in this documentary, it's just like ugh, painful, painful. But are they not like inked and colored or oh, no it's the finished pages like it's the, all there it's, it's but boy huh. that that art is uh i don't know some people are blind i think there's some nostalgia at work there okay. but so anyway but uh he he broke out he broke out of the the marvel pact him and a few other guys they went and formed image comics and where they mm-hmm. were like hey we can make our own money off our own ideas and enjoy the fruits of our own labor rather than working at the plantation, as Tom McFarlane has put it, describing Marvel comics. Jeez. Uh, yeah, he's a real wordsmith, this documentary will demonstrate. Uh, and he created his uh, his uh, original concept, Spawn, which is essentially just, hey, if you crossed Spider-Man with Batman visually, you'd get Spawn. Uh-huh. And uh, that was a comic book. Uh, people might have watched <laughs> and remember the, our discussion of the Spawn movie. and The best uh, movie ever. But the comic sold a lot. Uh, uh-huh. People were speculating on those comics being worth a fortune. And Spawn was a big thing. And then, but Tom McFarlane, uh, people give this guy shit a lot because he's kind yeah. of, he's a goofball. And this documentary will not like change your mind on that too much. Uh, I think I described him on, in my letterbox review as kind of a cross mm-hmm. between Michael Scott from the office with a guy from yeah. FUBAR, which I think is like maybe like a little Al- Alberta centric, but yeah. it's basically the Canadian hoser that like Bob and Doug mm-hmm. McKenzie kind of guy. He's like that, but like just painful in his like how he talks about stuff. There's this bit in there where he's talking about editing the Bible and like, that would be better <laughs> than what the Bible is. If you went through it with a black marker, it would just be better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, of course he thinks that like he just rambles on about stuff and you really don't know what he's talking oh. about. It's, it's like, what's wrong with him? Is he okay? Um, and- well, Hey, at least he tells it like it is. He, she certainly does. Um, a few years yeah. ago, I watched, I listened, or I, I listened to a uh, like two-hour interview he did with Gary Groth, who's the co-publisher of Fanographics. So you couldn't really uh-huh. find two people more unlike in their like view of comics as a medium. And <laughs> McFarlane just like I don't know, he he sounds dumb, but he's pretty smart, and like his success points to the fact that like he was onto something as far as like. He, how he presents he's very uh, much like yeah. michael bay like when you listen to michael bay oh, yeah yeah like talk about armageddon filmmaking he is him and tom mcfarland have way more like or more things in common than you expect <laughs> off the top of your head but actually they're both mm-hmm. like they're, they're blockbuster types of guys they're about profit being a show of success that's what they're all about and making people happy no no don't kill kids don't kill dogs except unless it's a serial killer but then you really mm-hmm. kill that serial killer 
real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this documentary just like kind of covers the like make, the rise and the rise and rise of Tom McFarland because it ends in two thousand one where he was still kind of riding high for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, the documentary actually does an interesting job of kind of like letting him bury himself in his own words without making it overt. Um, so that was kind of a surprise. I mean, maybe the guy who made this documentary wasn't really a, he went in probably a fan of Tom McFarlane. Um, Cause actually I was just mm-hmm. listening to another podcast and they were like kind of the one guy was kind of excited that Blumhouse is doing uh, the Spawn movie and Tom McFarlane's going to be directing it. Cause he then refers to Tom McFarlane as one of his heroes. And I'm like, man, people really like still hold that guy in like, reverence like when he was doing signings in calgary a couple months ago at that comic con mm-hmm. and he wasn't sign- like charging money or anything like that because he likes to give back to the fans uh i guess he like i don't know people really still think he's great even though he doesn't really do much like creatively he hasn't drawn yeah. anything beyond covers or inking covers for a very long time he still writes stuff but he even admits like at one point like writing is not his strong suit um but uh, so yeah, this documentary it hits upon stuff that like it's like it's a cultural artifact. It's not a good documentary. It's got some mm-hmm. like horrendous music. It's got some really bad sound effects and like cues and like misjudged things. We're like, hey, let's like have us driving down a road, and over top of that, we're going to green screen in this like Todd McFarlane action figure with a spawn cape on him flying over it with rock music, and it's like. 20 seconds long, but it's just so embarrassing. Like, this is like, this is the National Film Board of Canada, and they fucking <laughs> released this shit? Like, no one told this person, no, no, don't do that. And, like, the bad, like, when there's, like, they, they show a comic page, and they zoom in on it dramatically, and then when the page turns, it's this, like, loud, dramatic turning of, like, paper sound. It's, uh-huh. it's junky. Super but, cool. But there's, like, some awesome, awesome footage of, like, the comic scene like the comics con scene and like the market crash Mm -hmm. of the 90s and talking heads with like steven Bissett, eric larson and jim valentino where they're just like depressed sad comic people in the late 2000s like or late 90s because like at that point comics was like at the bottom of the barrel uh at that point and we they kind of got out of it but i think right now arguably we're finding our ways back to the bottom of the barrel with sales numbers and stuff yeah. For some quadrants. For for a certain type of comic creator, the industry right now is not so great. Um, but anyway, I thought this was pretty neat. Uh, it scratched a niche of, like, my childhood, my teenage years of, like, absolutely mm-hmm. loving Spawn comics um, and, like, Spawn toys, all that McFarlane toy stuff. Uh, there's a great bit with a pizza delivery man uh, <laughs> who, like, has, like, 1,400 McFarlane toys in his apartment or his parents' basement or whatever it was, and him talking about, like, variant figures, and he starts talking about the Angela figures. He's like, yeah, here's here's, here's Angela with panties, without panties, with a bra, red bra strap, silver spear, and, oh, here's one with a blue spear and no bra straps. And it's just, ugh. It, it's fantastic because it's like it's a period of time like oh yeah I forgot like these guys really did talk about this and people spent like way too much money getting variants of the exact same toy because they just calculatedly created botched print jobs to make it like mm-hmm. a collectible and it's like yeah it's a cheese it really it's, it's all to sell more figures and it's funny because McFarlane's like a talk there's a whole thing about like how with a comics crash 
people stopped buying comics because they flooded the market with variants. And here's mm-hmm. here's McFarland uh, talking about variant toys. <laughs> it's like I don't know. The, the, and then again, I'm kind of rambling on, but uh, there's also you sound like old Todd a little old, bit, old Todd Mac. And uh, uh-huh. there's the whole like as you might recall uh, the, the baseball thing. Todd's balls. That was always a big talking point with all Todd McFarland because he bet on some um, and won and paid like three million dollars on uh, the the home run balls that were was like broken the next year. The mm-hmm. um, Mark McGuire balls, I believe, and then mm-hmm. he wound up getting like Barry Bonds ball later on. People like make balls jokes, but I don't know. It's one of those things where. McFarlane then like turned around and like started making toys of all these sports people. And because he kind of proved to be like a sports person, cause he started like, cause he was a collector. And so now he's going to start selling people's likelinesses. And so he got all these deals and he still makes money mm-hmm. off of that stuff. So I'm sure that $3 million investment he made years ago has paid off as far as those sorts of things go. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's smarter than people let on. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you want to know if basically this documentary is like, I think I also mentioned the anti crumb. If you want to watch like a really good, great documentary about like a cartoonist, uh, watch crumb and it's in the criterion collection. Yeah. Uh, and if you are the opposite of that, you, you could watch the devil, you know, mm-hmm. and, and learn more about Todd McFarlane and his wife, mm-hmm. Wanda. Well, see, that's why I didn't watch it, because I knew you would explain it to me. There you and, go. And, uh, yeah, I like Spawn. Spawn's dope as fuck. <laughs> and I like that's his Spider-Man. That's dope as fuck, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? Todd's okay with me. Mm-hmm. He tells it like it is. He does. Maybe some people say that uh, Michael Bay is the Todd McFarlane of action movies, mm. and not that Todd McFarlane is the Michael Bay of comics. Because well, who came first, baby? That's right. Toddy mm-hmm. Toddy Mac. Toddy Mac. Uh so yeah, that's what I watched. Cool. cool. Well, so this is one of the all time worst creeps ever. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Mine were mine weren't great, but uh <laughs> the uh the animes you talked about did sound pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what I do next as far as if I watch some more animes or you know, while it's still summer, maybe uh watch some westerns. Yeah, I thought you were all about watching westerns in the summer. It seems like I wind up watching them in like September or November, like after Halloween. It's like a time to watch some westerns and time to slow down a little in the fall. Yeah, after the uh, the big push for the creep, mm-hmm. the horror. Makes war. Sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. So RJ, any Yo. news you'd like to discuss? Mm, I don't think so. There was a new trailer for it. Oh, it still yeah. looks good. Uh, I don't. I think this trailer showed a few things that were a little bit like, eh. But uh, it, it did, all the other ones impressed me, so I'm still looking forward to it. And uh, this episode is going to drop just before they release the embargo on the reviews for The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. So you, you heard it here first many months ago, but uh, that thing is going to be dead on arrival, so I feel bad. Yeah. I wish it was good. The one thing- I, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't want, I don't like bullying this movie. I want it to be good. It's just, it won't be. Yeah. So. Well, the thing that's a bummer, too, is like, it seems like the director's talking about, like, yeah, you know, it's just like, it bridges off into the TV show. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That like, yeah. was, that, was that always part of the plan? It's like. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why, like, I think it was two weeks ago when we had our longest episode ever, when mm-hmm. I was talking about, like, the two interviews with the IT director and then the Dark Tower director and how, like, vastly different their approach to it was. 
And uh, on Twitter, I, I put a thing out from the dire- Dark Tower director where he was like, he was talking about how they couldn't do the first book. And this is a minor spoiler, but because at the end of the first book, the like ro- the gunslinger and the man in black meet and they like talk for a while. And that's kind of the climax. Mm-hmm. There's no like action to it, mm-hmm. which is which is awesome. It's a great like yeah. in, in this in the grand scene of all the books and i covered those many moons ago on this podcast like it works perfectly for the story and i don't feel like like i don't understand what's wrong with that but he was like yeah we can't do that so we we have we really had to let them have it have it out at each other and have a big battle and it's just like what it's like this guy didn't even fucking read the books or he did and he's just all the producers are like no that's lame (laughs) but i don't think people would necessarily not like that like because that's what his excuse was he's like people wouldn't want us to like do that where it sets up other things but then at the same time the movie was greenlit with this with the idea that there would be a tv show also so it's like what is he talking about they don't want to set they want they want it to stand alone even though the plan was to make multiple things which I mean, like in theory, that makes sense. But the way that he described it, it's like what you're talking about doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what you're talking about. No. Anyways, Anyways, I have I have no news. Okay. Outstanding. Um, yeah. Uh, your box office update: Dunkirk still reigns. Woo! Hey, good job, good. Chris. Uh, Atomic Blonde didn't even get. What was it second for the weekend? Oh, it didn't. Uh, for, oh uh, no, I think Atomic Blonde actually was fourth. <laughs> well, I mean, it was kind of a uh, niche movie. Uh, my uh, friend Corey saw it, and according to Letterbox, he gave it two and a half stars. And generally, really? he is far more forgiving than I am with contemporary action movies. Uh, he's willing to give those movies a uh, benefit of the doubt. He's much more kind to that stuff. So for him to give this two and a half. You can't, something must be off. I haven't had a chance to talk to him to ask him what that is. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it might be some like maybe some really bad CGI or the movie's just really dumb as fuck in a, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Just like us. Yeah, that's right. As our just listeners like us, do man. know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that sucks. Yeah. So mm. it goes. Oh, actually, uh, one or two things. Uh, one of the, a book. The last time I read a book back in April, I was reading the book Mindhunters by John Douglas, the oh, yeah, FBI yeah. profiler dude, and I had no idea that mm-hmm. there was a TV show coming out from Netflix adapting this uh, mm-hmm. loosely and excitingly, and uh, I saw the trailer pop up. Uh, someone sent it to me i checked it out and i was like oh immediately there's like because i know serial killers really well i guess i was like oh hey that's ed kemper or supposed to be ed kemper and sure enough it was and i was like fuck Mm -hmm. i guess they kind of nailed this look right even though it's like they had they cast this seth rogan looking guy to play a six foot seven giant (laughs) serial killer dude called the who went by the co-ed killer uh so that was but i still was able to go oh that's him based on the glasses and hair and mustache and stuff yeah those were his looks uh, so mm. I watched this trailer. I, I hate these like bait click articles that say, here's yep. the check out your new, uh, Netflix Favorite. addiction. Yeah. Like, that, that shit, uh, just mm-hmm. boils my blood. But the other thing that I had no idea existed until, uh, I saw a uh, feral house, uh, promoting like a free giveaway of, uh, 
the their Ted Kaczynski compilation is that there's a <laughs> Ted Kaczynski miniseries that just started this week, uh, starring Paul Bettany as Ted Kaczynski. And, Can you explain who Ted Kaczynski is, please? Uh, that is the Unabomber. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Uncle Ted. Yeah, you um, love that guy, don't you? Oh, fuck, man. That that his book, his manifesto. Uh, it's got some some interesting ideas. That uh, unfortunately, I mean, there's some whacked out ideas, but there's some things. When I read that like a few years ago, I was like, I have a really hard time dismissing this out of hand. Um, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that he killed people with letter bombs, um, or maimed them at least too. Killed mm-hmm. and maimed. Uh, so he kind of loses the higher ground. People can just zone him out and ignore really good, thoughtful ideas that are in there uh, about technology. Yeah. And our, my, no, it's like really just more like, what? How happy are we really with technology in our lives? How happy are we really that I don't know? Like right now, listener, you're listening to our voices in your head talking about movies. Does any of this make your life better? <laughs> like these, these are things that uh, after reading this book, that I became really aware of, just like how useless most of this shit is but we're like everything in the culture tells you this is really important and this is like there's no other alternative like this is it and the idea that we could live without this stuff means you're crazy or just like being Mm -hmm. irrational just to roll with it dude um well i guess like not rolling with it means going off to live in the woods (laughs) but i i would um i'd really like to take a moment to distance myself from the comments and opinions of Jarrett Fillmore Duncan. Uh, I in no way share his his viewpoints on Ted the Unabomber Kaczynski or whatever his name is. <laughs> so uh, I'm just I'm just distancing myself from this now because when you go on there and you say you know his ideas weren't that bad. It's just it's, no his in- it's 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 too bad he blew people up. You <laughs> it know it's too bad that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jarrett. I, that's the that's the thing. I, and I, as I just explained, you, RJ, you, you might be right, but you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step away from this for mm-hmm. a little bit. Okay? Well, you know, he's he's no Hitler. Uh, well, few people are. Nah. Even Himmler wasn't. Yeah, because they were different people. Anyways, yep. so yeah, I had no idea this miniseries existed until mm-hmm. last night, and I laughed at this. Uh, I might have to check it out just out of I don't know. Curiosity, yeah. uh, it's yeah. It seems like true crime is like all the craze. Every like it's it's nineties, right? Because it's a thousand ninety yeah. story. Uh, OJ already's gotten covered double town, and hey, double time on that. It's like uh, OJ made him you America. That was like some of the best shit of last year. Uh, People versus yep. OJ Simpson was also very very good. Uh, so yeah, this could be great, but it's, I don't mm-hmm. know. Just I haven't heard anything about it. I don't think anyone's watching it, and it's probably it probably is crap, but. Probably here's open, yeah. So it's it's a mm-hmm. t- it's a great time to be a fan of true crime fiction and documentaries because there's this stuff coming out left and right all the time. Mm-hmm. Much like the true crime do- drama, Carnival mm-hmm. of Souls. That's right. Hey, yeah. speaking of which, you want to talk about that movie? Sure. Okay. After the break, uh, we're going to be creeping through doors, watching ladies get dressed because we're creeps.
action you've never seen. Races across your screen as you thrill to a new dimension in picture making. Carnival of Souls. This is the shocking story of a who crawled from the river to race through a nightmare, walking a tightrope between heaven and hell. From the unreal, she crashes through to reality. But try as she will to lead a normal life, she is torn from a goal. There's no privacy in her life. She's ever watched, tormented. Either it's her neighbor, desirous of her physically, watching her with his leering eye, or it's the evil eye of the man, the man who taunts her, the man who wants her. From the bottom of the river they come. They reach for her. They demand that she dance with them at the Carnival of Souls. She is a girl driven mad by the relentless forces of the beyond. He will not relent as he comes for her again and again. She whirls between the real and the unreal, trying to cling to life. I like being with you, really I do. I don't want to be alone tonight. I want to be near you. Honey. You don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? But she must watch herself in death. She must dance at the Carnival of Souls held just for her. For they have come for her for the last time, claiming her as one of their own. Carnival of Souls arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refunds. Carnival of Souls is the shocker of all time, guaranteed to sweep you into a new dimension of picture making. You can't afford to miss Carnival of Souls. And we're back. And tonight, we're talking about Carnival of Souls from 1962, directed by Herc Harvey. And our synopsis from Letterboxd, and it's uh, it's uh, one-liner. <laughs> she escaped death. Now it wants her back. Thanks. Uh, Mary Henry ends up the sole survivor of a fatal car accident through mysterious circumstances. Trying to put the incident behind her, she moves to Utah and takes a job as a church organist. But her fresh start is interrupted by visions of a fiendish man. As visions begin to occur more frequently, Mary finds herself drawn to the deserted carnival on the outskirts of town. The strangely alluring carnival may hold the secret to her tragic past. So, Carnival of Souls mm-hmm. is like probably one of the earliest Criterion movies I bought for myself. <gasps> uh, Whoa! It had a wicked old cover. It was like the painted, mm-hmm. grimy old thing. Uh, it was a horror movie in the the classy Criterion collection, and I was just like, "Ooh, I gotta get that!" Like it's a horror mm-hmm. movie and Criterion. It's like so that drew me in immediately. It has a kind of a strange title, um, and it was expensive because it was a double disker at the time. And uh, so, you know, there's a period of time when one's consumption of things when you have like, uh, like you're no money out of high school, you're, you're going to university, you're kind of broke and you want to get stuff. You, you can only, mm-hmm. you you can only get so much. And mm-hmm. so this is one of those things that I went and splurged on. And uh, it's one of those things I've never really regretted buying because this movie I like a lot. Um, I, watching it now. Uh, there's definitely things in it that 
I didn't notice as much because I, I actually now have the Blu-ray of it, which I watched for the first time for uh, this mm-hmm. week's cast. <gasps> and uh, cool. one of the things that immediately hopped out at me was the the hilariously bad ADR the, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is like just so out of whack. It's like like it was always like that, even on the older DVD and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. in like crystal clear Blu-ray and two uh, K and whatever clear uh, lossless audio, it's like really like what the fuck? Like that that this is inexcusable. Um, so yeah. any, anyway, uh, the movie's got mm-hmm. this like great kind of like Roger Corman fifties B movie like drive-in sort of start where it's just like a couple of loose ladies are hanging out on the town <laughs> in a roadster, and a couple of boys pull up. It's like American graffiti style, and uh, it's like, oh hey, you want to race? And like, yeah, we do. And things go uh, haywire, and soon enough, those those ladies are going off a bridge to their watery deaths. Um, well, who, who gave them a license anyways? That's right. That's, I mean, that's their first mistake. Uh, uh-huh. so anyway, then we get the nice spooky opening credits, which are mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, they're fairly, we'll, we'll get into the photography anyway. So this movie has always had a special place for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it's not without its faults. Uh, I mean, there's like some very non-professional actor performances by many of the actors yeah. because none of them are professional <clears throat> actors at all except for uh, Mary Harrenry, uh the actress mm-hmm. playing her she is the only one at, that actually had some like acting under her belt everyone else is just like people they had on hand in Salt Lake City Utah making their movie uh, and they just went worked with it which kind of I don't know it doesn't detract too too much for me uh, but yeah, this movie looks great. It has this, uh, what do you call it? It's like this clean professional cinematography that mm-hmm. I like really like. Like it looks great because it's just like using the, the period and that period of time also having to manufacture really great looking clothing and just general design and buildings and spaces. Everything's just like so much more evocative of that. It, it just, it looks like the time because it's like this amateurish production. Mm-hmm. Um, it could only use like actual locations and stuff like that. So everything looks genuine. Uh, and when you're com- compel- or combining that with the strangeness of the story, this like kind of like odd kind of like ghost story slash kind of like internal psychological drama, uh, it, it gives the movie this weird air to it. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my initial piece here on Carnival of Souls. Uh, RJ. Yo, tell me your history of Carnival Souls and how you how does it make you feel? Well, there's this carnival in Creepsville called Whoop Up Days, uh-huh. and uh, the midway is always covered in piss from uh, some of the lesser reputable people of our town. Um, I'm talking about, you know, the people who piss on the midway in front of everyone. <laughs> I've so never, when I I've, I've never experienced this. You've never seen that? You know when you go for an elephant ear yep. and then you walk the midway, you're like, I haven't been here since I was a kid. And it just reeks like piss everywhere from the carnies and no. the, the drunks, the, no. the local drunks. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, anyways, I bring it up because when I heard of this carnival of souls, all I could think of was, I hope it's better than that carnival of piss we have in our hometown. And uh, <laughs> you know what? Carnival of piss. Carnival of piss. Um, you know what, Jer? <laughs> It was better. Oh, that's good. It'd be, it is a better. What a bar. 
Uh, it actually it reminds me of a uh, Wayne's World too when they go to Piccadilly Circus, and it's like what a shitty circus. It's like that. Mm-hmm. I got all the hot puns and carnival circus yeah. jokes. Got, got, got to get them out. You want some more, baby? No, I'll save some more. Yeah. Um. No, so. I, this was a rewatch for me too, which mm-hmm. is rare. Yeah. Because I don't usually, I don't have a ton of rewatches in here unless it's like RoboCop. Yeah. But um, I watched this, I think, two Creeptobers ago when uh, I think when I first started using the Letterboxd mm-hmm. in like 2015 or so. So I think it was uh, a JFD suggestion from you. Oh. Um, well, Letterboxd was for sure. Yeah. And then I believe, as we've talked in the Ghoul Schools, when we started uh, talking more frequently was when uh, it was around the Halloween season and you were not the biggest fan of my picks for my Halloween movies and you well, started yeah. giving me better things to watch. Exactly. Which, t- to be fair, you're still not a fan of some of the stuff I watch, but I don't care because <laughs> I'm still going to watch those alien movies, baby, because I like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, yeah, I think you... I, you had never lent this to me. I think maybe I had heard you talk about it or something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so, uh, I don't recall ever uh, lending it out. Yeah, really you didn't. you didn't. Yeah, you didn't lend it to me or anything like that. No. Um, I just I think I remember you brought it up once or something. So I watched it, uh, and I liked it then, and I watched it now, and kind of knowing, I mean, it's not like in the plot, it's not like a super mystery or anything like that, like kind right. of how it's gonna turn out. But I think. Like when I first watched it, I wasn't totally expecting it. And then when I did figure it out, I was like, okay. But this time going into it from the start, knowing mm-hmm. how it ends, yeah. uh, I really en- I, I enjoyed it even more, I think, because mm-hmm. the way they set certain things up, I was yep. like, nice. I was like, this is this is all very good things. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the moment you see her walk out of the water in like yeah. one of the nicest shots. In oh, any- hey. So – before as we get into that so yeah. uh did anything pop to mind watching it this time around <laughs> yeah um shit there was so much stuff uh there was like two two big ones okay you so, just go because yeah, so, my, me so my two big things and i was gonna i I, yeah. I i didn't post these on instagram yet but like one of the common things i guess tossed about with carnival of souls is people allude to this movie being an influence on david lynch and no one ever really yep. s- explains that no one ever like says oh david lynch absolutely said that at some point no one he's never said that as far as i could tell but there's a couple things here number one when uh mary henry uh yep. gets out of that water and she's at that bridge. It is very uh, much like uh, Rona Polanski mm-hmm. uh, in Twin Peaks. When she's walking across that bridge in the pilot right. of Twin Peaks, she's like covered in mud and just like sort of walking around like a zombie, like she's half dead. And mm-hmm. like that's very kind of similar. And also the one that I it, it hit me immediately is like her name's Mary Henry, which are the names of Henry in Eraserhead and his girlfriend, Mary Ah, yeah, cool. Mar- Mar- I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pick up on that one. Yeah, like as soon as I heard Mary Henry, I went, "Wait, Mary?" And I was like, "Henry?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck," because mm-hmm. I think that it's like she's like Mary X in Henry, like whatever. Yeah, they, they, it's a you know, it's a it's a Lynch thing. Mm-hmm. I feel you, man. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't uh, like. I think I was her walking out of that. I think I was trying to connect that to some something Lynchian, like. Because he has that thing where he has ladies walking around distraught. But uh, there was something else I was thinking of, and it'll come to me later on. Okay. But, yeah, that's, like, the best shot ever. And, uh, no, that's cool. I didn't piece those together. But, anyways, back to my original yeah. 
thoughts. Uh, yeah, I really like this movie. Um, it's kind of like what you said. It's not... This movie... It's not going to win over any acting things, but it's not trying to, right? No. Like, it's not trying to be grade A acting, and I don't think it needs to be either because I think the people who are going to enjoy this movie are going to like the the elements of it for what they are more than any of the acting. And mm-hmm. like you and me, like, we watch a lot of shit that has bad acting, but that doesn't stop us from liking it. That's right. Um, yeah, so I I think the the two things that... After I had watched it the first time, I think I looked on Letterboxd or something, and uh, they do stick out, so they're kind of like, they're almost cliched things to say now, but they do, but for a good reason, like, there's a lot, one of them is, like, atmosphere and, like, mood in this movie, because it does establish that really well, where it's, uh, um, it's kind of, like, there's a lot of scenes where the music dictates dictates how things are going and it's kind of in this somber that, oh, like that, that back and forth organ sound yeah the back and forth organ organ sound and uh like the spooky music uh and then also it's like a twilight zone episode which i i'm pretty sure a lot of people say oh, but you yeah. know so i i feel like that's your obligatory <laughs> like uh generic yeah. statement about it, it, this movie. yeah so one of the things i uh in preparation for this. So I read the, uh, the essay with the new Blu-ray, which is written by uh, Kira Janice, who's like awesome. She's this great, uh, uh, I don't know how, she, how old she is now, probably in her forties, but she's like this, uh, female curator of film. She wrote this awesome book called house of psychotic women. She actually, uh, kind of, uh, was in the Vancouver film scene and did these like really great horror festivals and like just cult genre sort of stuff. So she's like really good at writing and talking about stuff. Her essay is very good on this and she name drops uh, the Twilight Zone, but not just the show in general, but a particular episode of the Twilight Zone called The Hitchhiker, which it is very, very similar to Carnival of Souls. And it would have come out I bet. a year earlier, two years earlier. So who knows what uh, mm-hmm. Herc Harvey uh, would have thought about The Hitchhiker. He probably would have seen it. But uh, so the plot of The Hitchhiker is this woman, this blonde woman, is driving her car across America to uh, settle down in San Francisco from mm-hmm. like, Philadelphia, I think. And... Uh, this this episode opens up with her like oh she or her car blew out on her her uh, tire blew out on her and her car is getting fixed and then she starts <laughs> seeing this hitchhiker like following her around and he keeps thumbing her for a ride saying it and she just ignores him but then like she'll drive mm-hmm. like five ten minutes up the road and then she'll see him again and then she'll see him again and then she'll see him again and then she'll stop at a gas station and be filling up and she'll look over and there he is. It nice. for a ride and it's just like this like thing of like what's going on and she's driving and then he just appears like when you don't expect him and mm-hmm. I mean uh, spoiler for this fucking <laughs> old ass TV show uh, Hitchhiker th- th- this man who doesn't really speak too much in the show he is mm-hmm. death because <gasps> she did she died that tire mm-hmm. she did not survive the tire explosion and I mean like it's pretty telegraphed now because we're we're kind of taught how to watch for those type of beats but the episode right. is like really like it's well shot black and white it's got a great simple story uh the it's all under it's mostly underplayed probably the worst part is it's got a voiceover narration to her like, mm-hmm. internal monologue which is always kind of like dodgy it's like if you took that out it would be like fine to do and people would probably like it even more right so there's like definitely like there there is a reason why people go this is like twilight zone because there's like this really cool list i found on letterbox too uh this mm-hmm. week where it's like 
like Twilight Zone like movies, <laughs> and it's oh. just like and it's like all like really good movies. Like that's the yeah. thing is like Twilight Zone. People throw that around and describe things like that all the time, but in oh, the best yeah. in the best way possible. I don't think anyone goes, yeah, but it's just like a Twilight Zone episode. Um, no, yeah, it's usually yeah. like it's. I, th- I feel like especially when it's like good movies, people say the one thing I hear all the time is people are like, it's like a great twilight zone episode yeah. it's never like oh it's like a real bad twilight zone right actually maybe some people do say that i don't know no, no i don't talks, i don't know everybody no one talks about bad twilight zone episodes yeah. though uh and so after i watched uh i rewatched the hitchhiker uh just to have it mm-hmm. in mind after or when i watched uh carnival of souls uh then i started watching twilight zone again as well because <laughs> uh, i can't help myself Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. You are an animal. You know that? Uh, I'm you know that, Chief? Yeah, on this on yep. this Twilight Zone-esque list I'm looking at, it's got Seconds and mm-hmm. Groundhog Day, The Exterminating Ooh. Angel, Planet of the Apes, obviously, uh-huh. uh, Truman Show, It's a Wonderful Life, 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. It's like lots of good stuff. There's a lot. Yep. Of, there's a lot of, like, it's a great thing to be like Twilight Zone, I think. Hey man, speculative sci-fi. That's right. It's the tits. Well, I mean the 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 TV show Black Mirror. It's like yeah, modern exactly. day Twilight Zone. People love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, I just threw that out there because it's an obligatory statement. It's, because it's if we didn't say it, someone would have emailed in, mm-hmm. even though no one emails in anymore. That's true. Um, but I feel like yeah, someone you could say that. But yeah, I love this movie. Like it's got a it's got a wicked good vibe. In a mood atmosphere like you will like one of the best scenes i think is when she's tuning the car radio and it's just spooky music on every station yeah like i i find the idea of that so like uh not satisfying but mm. it comforts me so much where it's like yeah it's like that is spooky it would be on every station and then you you just get the backdrop with the black and white i actually wrote down black and white baby because uh, this movie looks great, especially mm-hmm. when it's uh, they show those skylines uh, out near the water and stuff like that, where you get that real good contrast between the light and the dark. Ooh, man, I dig it. Hey, RJ. Yo. I, so I just checked uh, the, the creeps email. Uh-oh. And we, we have an email. What? <laughs> Halfway through the review now. Yeah, well, maybe it's important. I don't know. Uh, it's yep. from one Cameron by... Oh. Okay. Or do you know this person? Uh, I do know this person. <laughs> okay. Why? Well, uh, Cameron asks, this movie has an excellent plot, but I just had one question that didn't make sense. How much dumps could one butt dump <laughs> if a butt could dump out dumps? Thank you very much. Um, no, I don't know this person, but I feel like he raises a good, a good question. Mm-hmm. How much butts could the butt dump? That's what in, people, in this movie. That's what people turn in tune into for us to do. Yeah, I mean, if you want a scholarly <laughs> Criterion review show, go visit some other jerk. We bring you hard facts. Facts. Of well, life. I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate the email. I think, uh, <laughs> like I was saying, we're not getting emails from anyone else, so I appreciate it. It's a nice. It's a nice question. I, I will think about it. Yeah, the the bar has definitely been. Um, something's happened to the bar. Uh, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, old, weird, judgmental Mormon lady with her container of mm-hmm. Ajax and uh, AKA the bath lady. Cause oh, boy, yeah. she goes on about baths and like, don't be afraid to have a bath, get it clean. 
Yeah, I feel like she was just setting it up so that that creepy dude could go watch her have a bath. Mr. Linden. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely... Which, by the way, what an <laughs> asshole, right? Man, so talk about, like, I he gets straight onto the patron saint of uh, uh-huh. the podcast. He Because he is a king creep. <laughs> Like he is a, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if he's got much like competition. Like he might be running away with that prize uh, right at this moment. Mm. I'd have to go back and uh, inspect the creep list. Uh, But yeah, Mr. Linden, uh, the fellow tenant at the uh, boarding house that um, Mary Mm -hmm. Henry's staying at, boy, that guy is like, just like the fucking worst. Um, That guy sucks, man. Yeah, it's like there's a pretty good reason why you don't have a girlfriend there, champ. (laughs) Plus, he he gets like he gets so upset when he's like he's like, why don't you have a beer with me? And she's like, because I don't want to. And and he's like, well, you didn't you don't want to do anything. You're just sitting there. And she's like, well, I never wanted to come out with you. You made me. And he's like, ah, this is what I get picking up the wrong dame. (laughs) When he like forced himself on her so many times, she's just like. She's like, no thanks. And he's like, you're going out with me, doll, no matter yeah. what. So, like, it's kind of weird, though, because, like, she's, like, letting, like leading him on, right, at times. A little, a but, little bit. But it's so weird, like, cause they're almost, like, playing the, like, weird, um, like, Howard Hawks bringing up baby, like, thing. Or they're, like, uh, she's, like, they're trying to be sassy, and it's, like, they just mm-hmm. can't pull it off. I think the guy playing Mr. Linton is actually pretty good. Like, he is, like, mm-hmm. if I had to think about, like, 1960s entitled dude who, like, doesn't get told no and just, like, just says shit, it's, like, that guy mm-hmm. captures that to a T. Like, he, like, ugh, man. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That guy is a uh, super creep, just like mm-hmm. you. Yeah, exactly. There's that scene with uh, when he's sitting on the couch with her and his just, like, invasive fist is just in her personal space. And she seems, like, totally oblivious to it in this weird way. And I'm like, how, mm-hmm. how would, like, you'd just be like, uh, excuse me, Excuse me, you can put that right there. But oh, his fist is just right there. It's, I don't know. It's it's too too uh, uncomfortable. It's mm-hmm. like some of the it's probably the probably the creepiest stuff in this movie is more that guy than the uh, white faced ghouls. <laughs> the ghouls, yeah. yeah the cool, some of the coolest ghouls and, you'll ever see. And speaking of these ghouls, so there's the man uh, who's played by director Herc Harvey. Um, he reminds me a lot of Robert Blake's character in Lost Highway. Ah, yeah, yeah, a little bit. And and you could even say like the weird, like kind of like the weird movement of those ghouls. They're very similar to the like woodsman characters that we're seeing in Twin Peaks right now. Oh yeah, a little bit. Like when they come, like when uh, after a uh, dark coop, um, yeah, is attacked, and then like they come to heal him. That whole shit. That is that is some real Carnival of Soul stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, so I don't know. You. There's maybe something to this uh, influence that uh, David Lynch uh, might have had coming from Carnival of Souls, mm-hmm. but who can know for sure? Not us. Not, not we don't. Not. We don't get paid enough for that. We yeah. don't get paid at all. Yeah, idle speculation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, another thing is like I'm actually amazed that no one has made a movie about a person unstuck in reality, like wandering amongst a sea of people who don't notice someone talking to them or screaming, and they're just being chased by something. Have like, you Have you never seen Crocodile Dundee? <laughs> uh, I have, and RJ, you're lying. That's pretty. You're, you're oh. lying. You're lying again. Okay. Sorry. I have seen that movie. It's not like Sister Act. It's not like Sister Act Two. <gasps> Back in the Habit? I guess it is like Ghost Dad, though. It is. Yeah, exactly. See? 
but that but that's like has an explanation because he's a ghost there and she's a ghost here. But I'm surprised they haven't mm-hmm. made like a movie where something else happens and you're not a ghost. Well, have you never seen Ghost Dad Two: Back in the Habit? Nope. Okay, well, never mind that. That movie doesn't exist. <laughs> well, why don't you make this movie for us? Maybe I will. Maybe mm. I won't. Mayhap. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, how about that salt terror? That like the pavilion carnival complex. That's, oh yeah, that's pretty rad. That it's, thing's dope. Yeah, and it's gone, burnt down, and they kept like they mm-hmm. built they built like three of those things on on the old Salt Lake City Ocean Lake thing. Do ooh, these yeah, th- those the are actual Salt Lake. <clears throat> yeah, those things are wicked cool, and I like them mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so Herc Harvey, this is his only feature film that he ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you read anything about him? Am I going to bore you? About that guy? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I know anything about that guy. Okay. Well, there's no... No, like, wait, wait on me. Okay. So, old uh, Herc Harvey, he was a... He made, like, industrial educational films. That was, like, sort of his bread and butter. Uh, he worked for this outfit called, like, Centron Films. Uh, hmm. Or, sorry, the Centron Corporation. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I guess, like, one day, he was like, hey, I want to make a movie. <laughs> Uh, and he was like, uh, he was shooting a Centron film in California. He developed the idea for Carnival Souls after driving past the abandoned Saltaire Pavilion. Um, cool. And then he hired uh, Candace Hillegoss, who plays Mary Harry or Mary Henry. Uh, she mm-hmm. she was trained by Lee Strasberg. Hmm. Oh, Big Lee. I don't know any of the names you say, but I'm just gonna act like I did. Ob- Great. Well, you see, obviously. Obviously. So he shot this movie for 33,000 bucks. They shot in three weeks. His film crew consisted of five people and they just Mm -hmm. fucking nailed it out of the park. Just made a lean, mean little movie. And uh, the rest is history. I think that you're a lean, mean movie. Thank you. But Uh, those educational spurts is why some people tune in. So spurts. Spurts, so, you know, when sometimes when you get manic and you have those spurts of mm-hmm. educationalism. Yeah. How how do are... um as a man of science, how do those uh, psychoanalysis scenes work uh, in real <laughs> in reality? Are, are those... I, <laughs> I I liked more when the uh, psychologist came to the lady's boarding house and just talked to the like the lady who ran it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, that lady's got some stuff up, but she's gonna take off." So you know. Whatever. Not our problem. That's that's <laughs> that's exactly what a good member of the LDS uh, church would probably mm-hmm. say. Yeah, she's not no, even. A, uh, she's not even a member. Yeah, not even a member. No, I think it's like I don't know. I'm probably like super wishy washy and hypocritical about these things, but when it when it's like this, I don't care. Yeah, well, it's, it's 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 usually like things that are trying way too hard, or they totally forgot that I usually get upset about. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, come on. Well, I'm not going to rake it over the coals too much because, you know, uh, Psycho yeah. is just as bad at that. And that movie yeah. costs a lot yep. more than this to make. And both are both blonde ladies driving out into the desert. Are they, though? Are they? That's quite a loud uh, container of water. Jesus. Well, is my mic turned up or something? These are normal things I do in here. How loud is it today? Well, it's just... <laughs> See, you know what it is? I, I prefaced the episode. I threw up and now I'm lightheaded. So now I'm doing things louder than normal. You're, hi- you're hydrating. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to drink water for once instead mm-hmm. of being a 
guy who takes a piss at the midway at the carnival like an animal. Jesus. Hey, you know it's a carnival of piss soon. I, I do know that. We're, we should report on the elephant air activity there. Oh, man. Yeah, I think I'll be going again. It's fun. There's a pretty good band going. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this movie also, when it yeah. was re- originally released, it uh, played as a double header with a film called The Devil's Messenger from 1961 mm-hmm. and I thought for since I wasn't going to watch the Carnival of Souls remake from 1998 because I couldn't Ooh. really find a copy and it yeah. just sounds like like the worst type of horror movie making uh, I was like yeah. I'll, I'll check out this Devil's Messenger it's on YouTube uh, mm-hmm. it stars Lon Chaney Jr. as like the Devil's Secretary uh, this thing mm-hmm. all it is RJ is a couple bookends filmed with Lon Chaney uh, checking people in on his Rolodex on a, at a desk uh, into hell. And then he has a woman called Satania that he sends Ooh. as a messenger to go do things on Earth. And what then happens is it cuts away to episodes of a, like, Swedish, like, television show that was essentially a Swedish Twilight Zone. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, there's not much more to say about it. Uh, other than it's got a couple of neat little short stories kind of tossed into it. Uh, the one with this, like, the crazy photographer who's really obsessed about his art. He takes a picture of this house, and this woman comes out, and he, like, proceeds to go after her. She rejects him. He, he I guess, like, off-camera strangles her to death and gets the fuck out of there. But he starts developing his film on his camera and sees the house. He tries to burn the film, but one of the prints gets through. And then suddenly all this, all this attention gets foisted upon him. And... Uh, He's like this photo that he took of the house before he committed this maybe murder. Who knows if mm-hmm. he actually did this or not. Uh, it starts becoming very prominent and everyone wants to look at this photo. And then whenever he looks at the photo, he sees the woman coming out of the house, mm-hmm. coming toward him in still photo- in, in the still that only he's seeing. And then he dies. <laughs> it's that <laughs> it's that kind of thing. But Was yeah. it good? It's it's not necessary. Hey, so I I had never heard of this 1998 remake. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Wes Craven presents Enter yeah. at Your Own Risk, yeah. Carnival of Souls. Yeah. Have you read the description for this? Yeah. I don't think they watched the original movie. Either. Yeah. Alex Grant is a troubled young woman. Twenty years old. Years ago, she witnessed her mother get murdered by a carnival clown. Mm-hmm. She has nightmares of the clown. First, uh, Nightmares of the Clown Lewis. First, a kind man that turned bad and also tried to rape Alex's mother. (laughs) Alex fears for her life, worrying that Lewis might come after her and her younger sister. One day, Lewis returns after being released from prison for murdering Alex's mother and tries to kill Alex. Alex dries the car. Dries. That must be a spelling mistake on Letterboxd. Alex dries the car that she and... Uh, Lewis are in into the river then she begins to have hallucinations she begins to lose her mind mm-hmm. what is this movie it's not Carnival of Souls well only in name only in name jeez yeah, so I, I, just, I was like I can't do it. I just can't I can't yeah, there's, I can't well it. there's no point it's not even like not even remotely close to mm-hmm. the okay well whatever so yeah devil's messengers i watched instead but you know hey folks you should check out that carnival of souls but be mm-hmm. warned because apparently there's people who like don't like this movie at all <laughs> and, that, and it's like yeah. i don't know maybe they just I, anyway okay so there's a con- kind of a context to why these people seem to like shit on this movie uh mm-hmm. slappy mcgee 
Hmm. Uh, he gave this half a star. So uh-huh. I saw this at the movie theater at a Rift Tracks live showing. The guys were hilarious with their various jokes and amusing lines. A good send-up of this film. They also make pretty funny asides about how terrible this film is. So I guess it's not entirely fair to judge this movie on a showing where people are already making fun of it. But still, this movie by itself is horrible. Terrible non-acting by all the side characters. Terrible attempted acting by all the real actors. The main actress is a joke of vacant stares and silences, then screams. The plot is also crazy laughable makes no sense Mm. and the twist is so telegraphed that there is no actual twist just a terrible film that works great when it is heckled but otherwise um nope um i hate riff tracks yeah i was gonna that's kind of my my beef here yeah what uh, I can already tell that's going to be everyone's because if Rift Tracks did it, that's going to be everyone's opinion because they glob on to any idea. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like what we talked about before when uh, I never really like got into Mystery Science Theater because it's just like, well, I like those movies that they're making fun of. Even yeah. if they're doing it in a loving way, it's like I'd rather just watch those movies. Yeah, it's the weird like positioning of like the fact that I don't know. These film mm-hmm. these 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 schmarmy schmucks think that like yeah. the people making these films weren't in on their own joke, I guess. Like there's definitely films that like they're bad. Mm-hmm. You can watch them. But like there's this whole idea like creating a culture around like watching people do a riff tracks, like do it and you're watching mm-hmm. it as a show. It's kinda of weird. But maybe it's also weird that people listening to podcasts where we're kind of doing the, not the same thing, but we're but we're talking we're I guess we're a little there's a bit more of a critical discourse maybe that's occurring. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't but I don't always go I don't like this because you know at Riff Tracks made fun of it and they and that's it. yeah that's the thing. But you know. I mean people are fucking dumb. People are sheep. <laughs> Yep, we need sure to, are. We need to take our computers and throw them out the door and go back to a, a, a primal time when things were just better. We, are you talking about that Ted Wachinski guy again? Alex Lovendahl gave this film oh one star. Almost like a well-shot Twilight Zone, but the fun is spoiled by a rapey subplot, irritating music, <laughs> and shallow characterization. Were this more invested in the danger of isolation, like repulsion, eraser, and pie come to mind, oh, or, the, or the dismissal of women's terror, I think this might work. But so as it is, it's gratingly repetitive. I, I hate when people compare movies in clusters like that, like repulsion, whatever else they said. I don't even remember anymore. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's um, only cool when I do it. Yeah. Okay, Nerds. and here's the uh, here's the mother, <clears throat> Gex, one star. Oh. <laughs> and, okay, uh, this is a, this was from Halloween of last year. Holy it's fuck, shitty. this was bad. I thought this was a classic. <laughs> Movies this shitty are supposed to be forgotten. It managed a couple so bad it's good moments, but otherwise it's just some, composed of some blonde staring into the nothingness of the plot with no substance except that of one large fat fucking red herring. God damn it, fucking fuck this fucking. Uh, then they, he's just some gimmicks. It's a struggle to get through this movie. I don't think I could have done it without the Rift Tracks live treatment. <laughs> oh, sh- come on. Uh, yeah. If it didn't get some laughs out of me that were independent of the riffs, 
this would have gotten half a star, a rating I have only given two films. This movie is really fucking boring, and I think Rift Tracks was trying to convey that message to me on the Thursday premiere. On that day, I learned an important lesson about Fandango and Rift Tracks Live. It's not live, it's recorded via Dash or Dish Network. And then he starts talking about fucking Rift Tracks. Why? Because Rift Tracks is the worst, RJ. It's the fucking worst. Okay, I'm uh okay, you you buy time for a minute because yeah. I'm going to find what else this guy gave a half a start. Oh, I, I got it right here cuz I've got his uh, okay. Gex. So, Gex's favorite films are RJ. Yeah. The Dark Crystal. Okay, yeah, I, I... A- Aliens. Uh, if yeah, okay. RoboCop. Oh, come on. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm, those are like I think it's are, are, See, are, movies, are, are, sometimes are, movies. What, what you're yeah. trying to say is this: this person's a basic bitch. Yeah, I was gonna say like those movies are generic enough. Like, yeah, I like those movies a lot too, but none of those are my favorite movies. Like, mm-hmm. it's like when we keep finding guys who their favorite movies are. When actually, you know what? You know what movie's been on all of these people who, like, uh, these people who write these horrible reviews, and we go look at their favorite movies. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark has been on every one of them. Oh, I actually really like that movie. It's an awesome but the, movie. Yeah, but the last one too, like the guy had The Matrix and uh, it's it's always like Raiders, The Matrix, one of the Lord of the Rings and usually not Fellowship, which is the best one. And then like either something like Aliens or something like Jurassic Park. And it's just like, yeah, those are all good movies, but come on, man. There's, there's more than this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like for for those to be your favorite, as you said, I, I guess they're they're basic bitches. That's right. Uh, Slappy McGee's uh, favorite films: Leon from Ooh. the man, the one and only Luke Besson, Raising Arizona, uh, which is uh, a okay. it's a Coen Brothers movie that I personally hold in low regard because it's a little okay. too slappy, it's a little too too Slappy McGee for me. Mm-hmm. Brazil and Fantastic Planet. Oh, okay. Well, I've never seen Fantastic Planet. We, we but... will one day. Is that in the Criterion? It is. For real? I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe. Are, are you not thinking of Forbidden Planet, are you? The sci-fi one? Are they both? Well, isn't Fantastic Planet like a sci-fi one too? It's an animated one. And then Forbidden Planet's the one of the, like, uh, what God's, what's his goddamn name? Mm. Uh, Canadian man. Yeah. Uh, Naked Gun. I got you. That Leslie f- Nielsen? Leslie Nielsen, yep. Young Leslie Nielsen. How do you forget that? That guy's a national treasure. That's what the commercials in the theater tell me. Yeah. Hey, I just looked up something. This Gex guy. Yeah. He, within the last week, he gave your beloved UHF a two and a half star. Well, you know, as discussed in previous episodes, comedy is subjective. But come on, folks. Carnival Souls is good stuff. Yeah, Carnival Souls. It's so evocative of a... Of weird, I guess, just weirdness and off-puttingness and uh, emptiness of life and mm-hmm. like being a stranger in a strange place. Uh, and like I said, like I don't know if you didn't mention this too much, but like I'll mention it again. The cinematography in this is really nice, considering yep. it is like like for all its amateurish qualities, like the kind of the editing, the acting at times. Uh, like it's definitely the most amateurish movie I think that we've watched at this point. Like yep. just for right, it's not polished mm-hmm. like a Bergman or a Kurosawa or any like even a uh, Alex Cox but yeah. um 
it like definitely is like this is a guy who made a movie with like thirty three thousand bucks, and it works actually to its favor. Um, and yeah, I think this movie's great. Yep, I agree, dude. I have uh, I have two more notes that I forgot. Okay. Uh, one was a quote that I thought was really fucking harsh. After she plays that devil song, yeah, and the priest kicks her out. He says, "In quote, I feel sorry for you and your lack of soul." Yeah. And I thought that was such a harsh thing to say to someone, even if they're not like religious. It's like Jesus, man. I thought you know that's, actually, that's a little harsh. I think he, but actually, he did. Like, Does he his, mean it in like a literal sense? Yeah. Well, it's like I don't know, Baptists. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Or I guess maybe it's just playing on the. Uh, he's a, the he's actual a, he's plot a, of this movie. He's a Baptist preacher in a mormon town yeah i guess it's because she was a wandering soul she was yeah and then my last he felt felt bad about it he sold that he's like oh man shit this is tough yeah yeah i know i just when i heard it i was like fuck Mm -hmm. uh and then my last note was organs are tight yeah because that, those organs are wicked cool. I like when she's playing it with all the foot pedals. Yeah. And, the, like, and, and the way it's shot too. Like it's like. Yeah, it looks yeah, wicked. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we could, like we didn't really talk about this movie as much as we sh- could have. I guess like, yeah, just like all the stuff at the, at the, at the Ooh. carnival, her running around yeah. and exploring the space. That stuff's like fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and God, and just like that oh, final, yeah. the big, the final chase, them coming out of the water and stuff like that. The 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 makeup. Okay, uh, the other thing that gets brought up is uh, that the makeup was the inspiration for uh, George Romero problem solving Night of the Living Dead and making his mm-hmm. zombies because they're very similar. Just white cake makeup and like dark eyeliner. You got yourself a ghoul. You got a ghoul, baby. Yeah. We know, we know ghouls. Yeah. So it's the that's the other thing. This movie's got a little piece in the. Uh, histories of cinema i i sorry slappy mcgee and gex gex watching movies with riff tracks Mm -hmm. yeah uh, i think if if we ever stop doing this show and people don't remember us anymore i hope the one thing that lasts is that we've decided that riff tracks sucks yeah (laughs) it's because it it, okay because it's just guys making fun of movies that are actually that they just don't like and it's like okay whatever so is so how would you differentiate it from mr plinkett um mr Pl- I, well i've never watched a riff tracks but does riff tracks go into like action no, it, as in-depth critical analysis as mr plinkett no, no, does no, no. see that's the thing is like with that like someone might throw that out there and my answer yeah. would be like was no like mr plinkett actually is like sort of a film analysis it's not just like yeah a commentary track he he puts a lot of work into that oh, shit. Yeah. They're man. like they're so, like they're like those like those Star Wars ones. They're like pretty immaculately uh, edited. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are movie, those are movies in their films in their in themselves. You they know, are. yeah, they're they're actually like there's actual effort put into that rather than, uh, well, we put the effort into the script to be funny to shit on this movie that people worked really hard on fifty years ago to get ourselves over. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I think the same way, but yeah, I think if anyone ever made that comparison, be like, well, have you seen a blanket? Because those are wicked and there's a lot of work into those. Yeah. I mean, if to give someone credit, I guess like the one thing that you could probably, uh, like the mystery science theater treatment of Manos, the hands of fate. I don't know if that movie would be much fun watching without them making fun of sure. it. Cause that, that movie definitely 
I think the only people talk about it is because of Mystery Science Theater. So it's the thing where it's elevated it. But I mean, sure. fuck, like these guys are uh, they're tackling a, a sacred cow here in this Criterion horror movie. So mm-hmm. fuck these guys. Yeah. Well, even even in that sense, like if it was a movie like that, that was like a a good bad movie. I would just rather watch it with my own friends than watch it than have someone else yeah. tell me the jokes. And I'm like almost positive that they, these guys probably actually really like the movie. Like I would I yeah. guess. But anyway. Well, anyways, you heard it here first. It's a certified hit. We yeah, like yeah. it. Carnival Souls is good. This is the good mm-hmm. stretch, brother. The good, good stretch. Yeah. Well, I've been waiting because you've been giving me nothing but shit lately. Well, you blame. Uh, at the, the, the Carnival the, of Piss. The, the Criterion Booker. Yeah. At the, at the Criterion Carnival. Uh, mm-hmm. After the break, uh, ghouls will chase us down and drag us to our watery deaths. Because we died in that car crash, RJ. I'd rather die in the car crash than at the piss festival. Um, I don't really want to talk about that because when you were talking earlier about that Unabomber stuff, and if you try to catch me on some kind of ghoulish loophole, loophole, sorry, um, I don't want to get indicted. Are you talking about like, if I like prove that you're a ghoul, then I'm justified in killing you? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you ever seen frailty, man? That sh- people can get away with that stuff. Frailty rules. Yeah, go go ask Bill Paxton. Oh wait, we killed him. You can email us at criteriancubes at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts on technological slavery. Uh, uh-huh. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the Letterboxd. Uh, I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud. It's still there for the time being. Uh, Stitcher, <laughs> iTunes. Leave a review. <laughs> Next week. Spine number 64. Orson Welles is coming back into our life. The Third Man, directed by <gasps> Carol Reed from 1949. Cool. Another uh, bona fide classic? Uh, I've never seen it, so... Uh, cool. This movie's also this, got this movie's also got a cool score. Oh, uh, neat. An iconic uh, score. Ooh, I like yeah. the sounds of that. Yeah. Baby. Baby. All right. Well, I love you. Uh, don't do that. That's going to creep people out. Uh. <laughs>